Thanks for joining us for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development in our state. Hosted by Jeff Frent and brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. In the corporate site selection world, data is king. It is easy to say we have the workforce to do the job. Our economy is growing. But site selection consultants want more than just your word. They want the data to back up these claims. Joining us today is Christine Chimura, the founder of Chimura Economics and Analytics. Chris is a nationally recognized speaker among site selectors, economic developers, private firms, workforce practitioners, and educators. Chimura's forecasts are included in the Blue Chip Financial Forecasts, which is synonymous with the latest in expert opinion on the future performance of the American economy. She is a former board member of the National Association of Business Economists. Since founding Chimura Economics and Analytics in 1988, Chris and her team of experts have continued to innovate data as a software solution such as Jobs EQ, Labor EQ, Zonix, and Fed Spend Top to help non-economists clients answer critical questions across both the public and private sectors. Please welcome Chris Chimura, who will help us better understand how to turn labor and economic data and tell a compelling story to site selection consultants. Hi, Chris. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And we all deal with a lot of data in our jobs, especially, uh, well, on both of our sides, really. How can an economic developer, say at the local or state level, take raw numbers, for example, uh, like data for a specific job category, and turn this into a narrative regarding a community's workforce that really is a compelling story? That's a good question. Uh, Really, the first thing that they need to do is to identify the labor shed for the community in the hunt. And what I mean by that is understanding the region in terms of where most of its workers live by their skills and willingness to travel. It's important not to limit that region's availability available workforce to a county or state lines because workers don't pay attention to geographical boundaries. Sometimes people use a radius, so maybe a 45 radius, 45 mile radius around a plant, but that tends to overestimate the number of workers because it doesn't take into account uh, rivers or bridges or mountains. So what we found most accurate is to use a drive time. Uh, Say, for example, 30 minutes around a site or a central point in a community, and that's the most accurate labor uh, shed. So then once you've identified the labor shed, in a broad sense, economic developers can highlight occupations that create a narrative around the type of firms that they're trying to attract. So for example, if they're trying to attract manufacturing firms, then they want to identify the number of workers that are welders or machinists or similar occupations that are currently employed in the area or are in the future pipeline of workers, such as graduates, and they'll want to point out the alignment of community college training and certification programs to the basic needs of those manufacturing firms. Um, And so bottom line, make sure they're looking at the full pipeline, identify and highlight the number of students that come out of community colleges each year with the skills as part of that pipeline. So um, economic developers also need to show that they have a sustainable supply of key occupations to attract these firms. So in this regard, they may also need to identify how many people are in alternative occupations that can be trained to work in the occupations needed because they have a similar skill set. Bottom line, the important part of this story is that regions need to be able to demonstrate that potential expanding firms will have the skilled workers that they need in the geolocation under consideration. Now, looking at Mississippi's economy, our current employment is approximately 16,000 jobs below where the state's pre-recession peak was. 
What is this figure telling us right now about the state of Mississippi's economy? Yeah, the main story is that the mix of industries in Mississippi are concentrated in slowing, slower growing sectors. So, for example, about 13% of all employees in the state work for manufacturing compared to about 8% in the nation. Manufacturing grew an annual average 1% in the nation over the past five years compared to 1.7% for all industries. So manufacturing, larger percentage in Mississippi, but it's a slow-growing industry. And then in contrast, uh, professional business services makes up only about 10% of the employment in Mississippi and about 15% in the nation. And this sector grew a much faster 2.4%. Again, the bottom line is that the industry mix explains the reason why Mississippi has not seen its employment reach levels that occurred prior to the last recession, whereas in the nation, it exceeded pre-recession levels of employment about four years ago. So we have a ready skilled trained workforce in the manufacturing sector. And yes, manufacturing uh, has seen some significant wins of large projects and growth in the state of Mississippi. How do we turn those people who are skilled in manufacturing over into a workforce that is also skilled and ready to handle the business services side? Well, that's a tough one. Business services pays a high wage, uh, but manufacturing typically pays the highest, uh, higher wage than the average, and their skill sets are very different. So if you're in the textile industry and you're a knitting, weaving machine setter and you lose your job, textile apparel industry is in decline and there's no alternative occupation in other professional business services that could use those skills. So oftentimes where we see manufacturing decline, it's it's hard to upskill those workers to get into business services. And we end up seeing uh, call centers or retail um, where those workers end up working that don't pay as much as manufacturing did. So it's a matter of training the pipeline, making sure that students know where the job uh, growth is for the future. Mississippi has been experiencing record low unemployment, yet the state still lags behind the national average. While the media likes to use this figure as an indicator of the state of our economy, this figure doesn't tell a complete story. Now, what else should we be considering assessing to assess the current state of our economy? And do these additional factors actually help us predict the state of our future economy? Yes, the unemployment rate can be misleading at the regional level. I really don't like using that, the unemployment rate at the regional level, because if you have an industry or a business that goes out of business and people end up leaving the region to find jobs elsewhere, then the unemployment rate doesn't go up. It it may actually even go down. So it can send false signals. So a better indicator to me is productivity growth. That is how much can an individual produce or individuals produce? Now, we don't have good measures of productivity at the regional level, so we use wages as a proxy. If productivity is going up, then employees generally get paid more. And productivity is important because it allows us to have a higher standard of living. That is, we can purchase more with higher wages. And increasing wages also points toward increased economic performance in the future because workers with higher wages can purchase more And that creates a ripple impact in the economy. So, for example, if I'm earning more, I'll typically spend more in retail or I'll spend more at restaurants and eat out more. And that has a positive impact on the overall economy. We also consider the labor participation rate. And that's, uh, I think, sometimes a more telling factor 
of who's in your labor shed and who's out there currently seeking employment. How important it is, is it to factor in your labor participation rate? And frankly, how can we find ways to get more people to enter it? Sort of the hidden labor force, maybe the underemployed or those who have grown so frustrated that they've dropped out or they've got barriers uh, like childcare or transportation. Yes. Uh, Childcare is an important one. So the reservation wage of someone um, may be high. Do I stay at home and take care of my children if I have two or three, or do I have to pay X thousands of dollars for childcare? So the the economy needs to be producing enough high wage jobs to pull, pull some of those people into the economy that haven't been working. Um, the good news is, at least at the national level, we have started to see that participation rate rise, especially among the prime uh, working age. So that's people between 25 and 56. It has been really ticking up lately, indicating that we are drawing more of those people into the economy, which is another reason why the unemployment rate has kind of stabilized around 4% at the national level. So nationally, we're seeing near, nearly unprecedented economic growth. Mississippi's economy continues to grow, but our growth rate, again, behind the national average. Does this narrative frighten some companies or consultants who may be looking at a state like Mississippi for their next project? Yes, that's an important question. It, it will frighten them if the economy is contracting or population is in decline, because that could lead to a virtuous cycle of decline. Less population, declining population means less revenue for the government to pay for services such as good schools, childcare, and other things. So that if it were in decline, Mississippi's growing, not in decline, that would be frightening. But in other ways, a higher unemployment rate is good. It suggests that there's more people available for work So that can actually work in a positive way in attracting some firms. And that's what we're looking for, ways to turn around some of the data that may be perceived as negative at face value, but yet uh, actually tells a story that could help us continue to try to grow our economy. Um, Are there any places out there that you can direct people, sort of free resources if you're a small community right now? And uh, we know that you... uh, work with a lot of uh, fantastic other companies. You've created a number of uh, desktop sort of solutions uh, for analyzing data and labor force. But are there any places that people can go that they, they may not be aware of to find some of this information about their labor shed and start telling their story? Of course, the Department of Labor has a lot of great data on employment for industries at a detailed level and occupations. Uh, the Commerce Department, has other information such as income and gross domestic product, and that's also down to the county level. But what I would caution people is when you're going to non-government sites, especially those that are free, be sure to get to know the data behind the tool, because just because the website looks good doesn't mean that the data are accurate. So how would you grade local and state economic developers and their use of data right now and analytics in telling the story of communities across the country? And for those that may be struggling How can they turn this around and do a better job of telling that story? I would give Mississippi an A. And let me tell you why, based on what we know about our client base that's in Mississippi. So the University of Southern Mississippi uses labor data in its curriculum to help the master's degree students in their economic development program to incorporate labor data into their careers and into economic development as their thinking about that as a future career. Then we have Entergy Mississippi that uses labor data to help with new business and bring that business to the state. North Mississippi Industrial Development Authority takes its baseline lead from labor data. Uh, Vision First Advisors, who um, 
originally came from Mississippi. Uh, they are an internationally recognized site selection and economic development consulting firm that has the highest regard among firms and economic de- developers. And they lead with labor data. And they really are game changers. Um, we also have Mississippi State University is applying labor data to their mission critical practices and managing the workforce workforce uh, expectations for their students. And then one more example, the Mississippi Development Authority and its strategic partners in workforce development use labor data to guide their business solution team's missions and manage the expectations of the career counselors. So this is a great effort, and it goes a long way in breaking down the silos uh, and helping create strategies to develop a workforce and to bring in expanding firms. So I'm looking for good things to come out of Mississippi in the future. And full disclosure, my current employer, the Greater Jackson Alliance, we also are a client. So want to let people know that as well uh, through your JobsEQ platform, uh, which we've found to be uh, very user-friendly and certainly helps us in our recruitment efforts. When did we see things, uh, I don't want to say change, but when did the focus start diving deeper into the data and it start, started really becoming a, one of the most critical factors in telling a community's story in the recruitment process. How long has this been going on? When did you see the major shift when we really started diving deep in this data? I, I want to say about 10 to 15 years ago, I remember meeting with uh, Governor Kane, um, who was, who's now a senator, but the time when he was the governor of Virginia, said that he, when he first came to office, he brought together 10 or 15 of the largest companies' CEOs, and he was all prepared to talk to them about taxes, about transportation, about all sorts of things uh, to hear what he needed to do for them. And the thing that they all brought up that shocked him was workforce. We need you to develop a workforce that sustains our companies into the future. And so that's that's pretty much first thing on the minds of many firms now when they're expanding, and especially with this tight labor market, to make sure that they're going to find the workers they need if they move to a particular region. So in other words, having better data, uh, being able to paint that picture and show a prospective company or maybe one of your existing companies if they're considering an expansion in your state or uh, community, it's really critical to be able to paint that whole picture so over the last decade. And plus, it seems like there's more data available today than there's ever been before. Yes, especially um, since we are now mining social data or uh, unstructured data, such as job postings. So we'll, we spider thousands of, of job posting sites and companies' sites every day to find out what jobs are being posted, uh, what is the average pay for those jobs, uh, what credentials do they require, and we're able to go beyond just the um, standard occupation classifications that the government has because uh, the government only looks at 820 occupations. So, for example, cyber uh, occupations are not yet defined within the BLS code system, but we can put in the keyword cyber and see how many jobs require um, someone to have a background in cybersecurity, for example. Is it possible to overanalyze and I say produce too much data to provide to a site selection company or a site selector rather uh, representing a company? Uh, is there ever too much? What's Is there a sweet spot? Uh, I know not enough can definitely not paint the right picture or tell the right story you're trying to tell, but is there too much? 
Yes, I think we could all get overwhelmed with too much data. And so pulling out the key figures is important. Knowing, for example, by industry, um, not just manufacturing, what are the key occupations they need, but for a paint coatings firm, what are the key occupations that are needed? Do we have enough mixing blending machine setters within the region if we don't have enough? And when we work with site selectors, they say for every one person we're trying to hire in in a particular occupation, we like to see at least 50 in the region. So if we don't have a 50 to one ratio, then we need to show that site selector or that expanding firms that we've got alternative occupations that can be trained to go into that uh, mixing um, setter. Or if we don't have enough chemists, that the universities, the community colleges in our region are graduating enough chemists so that they would be satisfied that they have the pipeline to sustain the company going forward. So if I don't have enough uh, people in a specific SOC code, uh, I can show, paint that picture with transferable skills, those other people that would take minimal training? Exactly. To fill that role. Okay. Looking into her crystal ball of data and analytics, Chris Jimmer joining us today on Mississippi Prospects. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Entergy, Mississippi Power, Tennessee Valley Authority, Watkins and Eager, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, and produced by Pottery Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDC Info.